Blog Talk Radio. Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you are about to enter, so help you God. Congratulations, you are all now members of the 115th Congress. AJC Radio and our team extend a personal invitation to all the members of Congress to be a part of this dynamic initiative called Spotlight on Capitol Hill. We welcome you, whether you're Republican or Democrat or Independent, whatever you might be, we join together to bring to the attention of the American people the positive things that our elected officials are doing on Capitol Hill. Tonight, AJC Radio salutes you, and we extend that invitation to all the members of Congress as we continue to shine the light called Spotlight on Capitol Hill. It's just going to get better from here. Let's get on board. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Just over a week ago, the nation observed the 15th anniversary of the September 11, 2001 terrorist attack. On that day, terror and hate not only took the lives of 3,000 innocent people, but also inflicted 3.3 trillion in economic damage to our nation. In response to this unprecedented attack on U.S. soil, the Department of Homeland Security was established. To be successful, DHS must work with state, local, and private sector partners. Many of DHS's programs are voluntary, but in some areas where the threats are high and voluntary measures are inadequate, DHS utilizes federal rulemaking. As we saw last weekend in Minnesota, New York, and New Jersey, the threat picture is constantly evolving. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Tonight, not being no exception to that rule, this is Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday, and tonight we shine the light on Congressman Benny Thompson from Mississippi. Folks, hang on to your seats. AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday starts right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, and William Williams, and the entire AJC radio team. And we are excited tonight uh, to shine the spotlight on Congressman Benny Thompson. And Lisa, we had an opportunity to sit down with him in Washington a few weeks ago. And I'll tell you what, this is a no-nonsense congressman that I'll tell you what, tells it exactly like it is. It was a, it was a delight. Yes, and, uh, yes, he was. Your he thoughts was. on that interview, Lisa? He was just, I mean, he was a pleasure to talk to. He was just so much fun. He, I mean, he, I've never met him before. This is the first time meeting him. And he was just, he was just entertaining to listen to and to talk to. He was just a lot of fun. 
No, absolutely. And and that personality really stood out to us. And but when it came down to the to the to the facts and to the work that needs to be done on Capitol Hill, I'll tell you what, he didn't mix words, Lisa, with that either. No, he uh, did not. And was very serious about uh, uh, what's important. He's the ranking member of the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, and I'll tell you what, he's involved in wanting to protect this nation. And uh, again, we can tell you for a fact, uh, it was a great interview. We're going to bring that interview to you tonight as well. Uh, Lisa, a disclaimer for our listeners, please. None of us at AJC Radio are lawyers, and we do not provide legal advice. Although we do go to great lengths to make sure our information is accurate and useful, we recommend you consult a lawyer if you want legal advice. In this time of misinformation, government-controlled media, and government corruption, it's sometimes hard to get to the truth, but we must try. It's not our intention to libel or discriminate against anyone, and the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC Radio. And we want to take just a moment to thank you for tuning in and spending a little of your evening with us. And thank you for that, Lisa. We appreciate that. And, uh, again, looking forward tonight uh, to this interview, to the congressman. Uh, a lot of things happening on Capitol Hill right now. Uh, as the administration, uh, Cliff, appears to be in a very chaotic state, uh, in spite of the spin, if you will, that the, uh, the White House is making at this point, uh, to the American people and to those that are involved here, we have a complete mess in our nation's capital, Cliff. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see what, uh, what happened today in the press conference, and it just shows that there is no coherency in what's going on in the White House. And it is, uh, it's a shame for the American people. And, you know, the president can try to spin it as many ways as he wants to. Um, it's just, it is transparent that something is amiss and no one is controlling anything in the White House. No, without question. Uh, William, as, as we talk today, uh, in regards, we have a, I believe you were sharing with us that the, uh, that the admiral, I guess, who uh, President Trump was attempting to get for the a national security advisor has not has not has declined the position. Is that right? That's correct. So that you know, with this change of power, with with uh, Flynn being uh, removed from uh, his position, I think 24 days into uh, having that position, uh, they were they actually had looked at this uh, vice admiral to be brought in as uh, uh, national security advisor. He quickly looks like uh, declined that amidst all this. Uh, turmoil that's going on in the administration so uh this is not looking good the uh the administration is definitely showing uh signs of dysfunction to say that uh, uh, say the least and um i don't know it just just doesn't look good no absolutely and again you know there's a lot of things going on we have uh i guess the talk of another executive order that'll be coming out next week according to president trump um we'll see what that you know what what, what actually is involved with that but, uh, but stay tuned to any network, because uh, I guarantee you, you're going to find Trump news uh, going on uh, at all the networks, uh, given the stuff that's going on in this country right now. Uh, folks, on the other side of the break, we're going to come right back, and we're going to start this program, Spotlight on Capitol Hill, Thursday, Congressman Beanie Thompson. And I'll tell you what, you better get ready for a humdinger. This guy knows what he's doing, knows what he's talking about, and leaving an imprint, if you will, across the United States. We'll be right back. This is AJC Radio bringing the message of justice all around the world. We'll be right back.
Ladies and gentlemen of America, we extend a special invitation to you to join AJC Radio and our programming every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. We will be addressing issues that definitely shape a nation and affect America's future. We will also be dealing with members of Congress shining the spotlight on our initiative called Spotlight on Capitol Hill. You don't want to miss it, folks. Every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, AJC Radio makes a difference across the nation. We'll see you then. She's coined a new term for the times we're living in. Brace for it, parents of America. Alternative facts. Alternative. What? What? Alternative facts? Lies. We fit. Also known as stereotypes or false narratives. It's like saying black history began with slavery. That's offensive. Or that we'll never see another black president in our lifetime. What about me? This Black History Month, we're focusing on the facts, not on tonal facts. Indisputable. Truth. Real. Black girl magic is real. Black boy joy is real. Black wealth is real. Black beauty is real. Black support is real. Black excellence is real. It's real. Black love, that's real. Black lives are real. I'm real. Black history didn't begin with slavery, and it doesn't end with the Obamas, whom we love and miss. No, like, really, we really miss you. Facts. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to give a very special invitation to you tonight, and every day thereafter. If you're struggling with addiction issues, the shortest treatment and recovery is the place to go. If you have any questions, dial 1-888-975-4105, or you can contact Stephanie King, the champion, for those that fight this battle. Her number is 720-305-2621. You can go to www.theshoresrecovery.com. There is a way out. There is an answer. Let's do it together today. A Bart police officer who shot and killed a man. When I first saw the Oscar Grant footage, like a lot of people here in Oakland, I was outraged. As soon as I heard about it and I went online and I seen what had happened, tears came down my eyes. It was something that was very alarming as a police officer and as a citizen of Oakland. It was like such a blatant murder. You have a city in trauma. Anyone that's seen that and looks at it is in trauma. My hope is that people will express their concern with police brutality, but they will do so in constructive ways that don't include violence. We cannot perpetrate this cycle of harm and violence in this community. Because we do have to live here and they terrorize the city and it's only going to make it worse for us. They killed our young you can protest, you can try to make a change, but there is a positive way you can do it. And make sure we let the police know and that we're aware that stuff ain't right out here. We're trying to fix it. In a way that is about using your voice for justice. And making Oakland a safer place for everyone to live and get along as one. Violence is not just Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday, coming live from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Well, you may have awakened this morning thinking it was springtime, 65 degrees today in Colorado Springs, mostly sunny. I'll tell you what, it was a good, refreshing time of weather, and as we look forward to spring coming, and uh, we're coming to you tonight, very excited about this program, Congressman Benny Thompson uh, again, I, I did a one-on-one interview with AJC Radio from Washington, D.C. a few weeks ago. And uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to be bringing that interview to you in two parts tonight. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that is driving the congressman uh, to do what he's doing. He is ranking member of the uh, uh, Oversight Department of Homeland Security. He's the ranking member of that committee. Uh, and I'll tell you what, Lisa, he got into pretty big detail. Uh, it really involved in protecting the United States from ISIS. Uh, other terrorist threats against the United States. And I'm telling you, he is he's dialed in, if you will, yes, uh, yes. to keeping this country safe. Your thoughts, Lisa, on that conversation without giving too much away of that interview? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's the, he's just a man who's on he's really he's on his, he's at the top of his game. He's on top of it on what he's trying, what he thinks is important to the nation and what he wants to accomplish. He's really, really on top of it. He's got a good handle on the situation that the country's in. Right. And what needs to be done. He's got a very good handle on it. He's a good man to have in, in office at a time like this because you need somebody who knows what they're doing. And he definitely gave us the impression that he knows what he's doing. And without question, his track record speaks for itself as well, that he's a congressman about action. Congressman Thompson has spent his entire life giving a voice to the voiceless. Uh, congressman Thompson's lifelong public service record is a testament to his un- unwavering dedication to fulfill and exceed the expectations of the constituents of the 2nd Congressional District of Mississippi. A native of rural Bolton, Mississippi, Congressman Thompson has always been aware of the realities that plague the South. Viewing the experiences his family endured firsthand became the catalyst for his passion for those who were oftentimes undeserved. Uh, Congressman Thompson is a product of the Hines County School District. After graduation, he earned a Bachelor of Science from Tougaloo College and a Master of Science from Jackson State University. While pursuing, while pursuing his education, pursuing, excuse me, Congressman Thompson began to cultivate his passion for grassroots political activism. And, William, you know, as we talked before, make, you know, setting down the, those grassroots uh, steps, if you will, of, of managing for politics uh, to bring about change to these areas, to the definitely, as we talk about the things that plague the South, grassroots. Uh, operations are critically important. Uh, Congressman Thompson has kind of tapped in to know exactly just how important that is. Yes, and that comes from, you know, basically life struggles. You know, as you come uh, growing up there, you, you're very familiar, and most of those things don't change. So what, what you've dealt with or you as a, as a child and your family oftentimes continue on for generations. And we talked about that in previous shows where, you know, that poverty level where, you know, there's not opportunities, lack of education, you know, you're really trying to uh, better the generation that comes after us. And so they understand that. They understand it very much. No, without question, uh, goes on. Congressman Thompson has served the second congressional district since 1993. He is the longest serving African-American elected official in the state of Mississippi. He is also the only Democrat in, in, in Mississippi congressional delegation. Uh, Congressman Thompson's stellar voting record is indicative of his determination to be an activist for reform. In the year 2000, Congressman Thompson authored legislation creating the National Center for Minority Health and Health Care Disparities. 
which sub- uh, subsequently became law. Congressman Thompson also received a presidential appointment to serve on the National Council on Health Planning and Development. So, as we said before, Congressman Thompson comes in highly uh, charged, if you will, with experience to bring about the change, Dennis, that needs to happen as we deal with the, and again, I'm not going to say the entire South is a struggling situation, but talking to other members of Congress that have come on this program whose districts are in that, in that South, in the South, they are very much aware of the challenges uh, that, face, uh, that face Americans in those, in those rural areas. And it's good to know that these, these members of Congress, uh, to include Congressman Thompson, are looking to change that equation and to bring some people up out of situations that, without question, have to be very challenging. And that is so true. I mean, you really got to be, uh, uh, really know about the past of your constituents and, and where you've been, where you're coming from. And is, when you talk about grassroots, you know, he was a part of the civil rights movement. So, I mean, he understands, you know, where, where, he's, where, where he's come from and where he's trying to take, you know, take America or take Mississippi. I mean, this congressman is truly about doing what's right and then looking, you know, taking the future, adding it together and saying, okay, how can we make this better? And his contribution to health, to, to the health care system, that's sure. awesome in itself. Well, in August 2005, the state of Mississippi was severely damaged by the natural disasters of Hurricanes Katrina and Rita. Congressman Thompson aggressively advocated for disaster relief improvements within government agencies and provided oversight to ensure that federal funds were properly allocated uh, for the Gulf Coast uh, recovery, which goes again to what's important. Uh, he, was, he was in that position to oversee, uh, because when you're dealing with government spending, you're dealing with uh, allocated funds, this speaks to the leadership of Congressman Thompson, that he was put in a position, in that position to make sure that those funds did not only help the victims of Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane Rita, but also was able to allocate funds for future possible disasters uh, that, could take, that could take place and are randomly happening anytime hurricane season. You just never know what you're going to get. So I think it's important uh, as we take a look at this congressman, Congressman Thompson, that we pay attention to the people's elected official. Um, you know, you may be a congressman of California. You have every state has challenges. But when you're dealing with natural disasters and, and things that really you don't have any control over, to be able to lead people out of a severe situation, homelessness in that point, people's homes destroyed, people are uprooted from foundations of family, people are killed in these type of uh, disasters. And it's good to see that Congressman Thomas says, look, we got to make sure this is done right. And I, th- I think, uh, William, that speaks to the leadership of this man. Absolutely. Because when you look at those, if I mean, we, we look at those natural disasters, those are things, like you said, we can't plan for. But what we do is we try to set up provisions for it. We try to say, you know, these resources are going to be set aside. And he understands that, listen, part of it is we have to deal with the, he- the healing of the people. We have to deal with getting them back on their feet. We have to get, ba- get them to a place where they're trying to get back and restore their lives. And so all these funds um, are, you know, are set aside. And he, he was validating, saying, listen, this is what it's for. You know, we don't need things to, you know, funds to go some other place. It's not helping or having an immediate impact to these people. So, you know, he's there understanding that in Mississippi and in, in Louisiana, you know, areas that, that have um, a history of, of hurricane or natural sure. disasters, 
you know, that, that part of their responsibility as elected officials is making preparation and thinking about, you know, contingency plans for his people. Let's take a look at something here. Uh, we were talking earlier, William Dennis Cliff, Lisa, regarding uh, his position, the different legislation that Congressman Thompson uh, has been involved in, one being agriculture. Uh, the Congressman Thompson has been a longtime supporter of agriculture. In fact, Congressman Thompson has never voted against a farm bill during his nine terms in Congress. The farm bill is the primary policy tool for agriculture food policy in the United States. Our most recent farm bill was passed, enacted in May of 2008. It contains 15 titles covering support for commodity crops and livestock production, conservation, nutrition, trade, and food aid. And this speaks basically, honestly, to Congressman Thompson not forgetting the little guy. You know what I mean? We talked about before. I never knew that agriculture was such an important part of government. But that's that's the food you put on the kitchen table. That's right. You know what I mean? And for, again, Congressman Thompson says, I've never voted against any uh, farm bill. And you know why? That that's, that's life and death for people. That's food. That's food you put in the mouths of Americans across this country. And I think people, I, I, think, I think they really take it lightly, the importance of this role in government. Uh, he, he went as far as it says here, the enacted 2008 Farm Bill continues or modifies most existing farm and commodity programs. The enacted bill succeeds the most recent Farm Bill and is to guide most federal farm and food policies uh, through 2012, which we're past that now. But this type of initiative, this type of push, is something that the congressman seems to be very uh, dedicated to. He's also uh, the, on the Appropriations Committee. Uh, office seeks to use taxpayer dollars prudently. Again, holding people accountable for what they're doing. What, where, are the, where are these tax dollars going? Who's accountable? Without accountability, this country just does not function. And you've got to have people in Congress. You have to have people in leadership that can say we must hold people accountable for one reason. That is to keep America balanced in, what, in everything that we do. Uh, again, speaking to everything that he is involved in as far as legislation, you can go down the list. We're going to get into the details of these civil rights, emergency services, energy and environment, homeland security, health care, jobs and the economy, veteran affairs, Dennis. We'll have you speak to that. It goes on and on and on about these issues that are critically important, and he is stepping out as a leader to say this is what we must do. And I think, uh, Dennis, your thoughts on that is that's critically important as we take a look at this, the man of Benny Thompson. And it is true. I mean, you talked about accountability. Uh, Everything so far that you've talked about, he wanted to make sure that any money, any funds, any taxpayer dollars that was being used for a certain situation, regardless of what it was, that it was going to the right people. And, and when we were talking about farmers, you know, the farmers, there's disasters that they have to deal with. I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, borrowing money, trying to get money to make sure that they can maintain the farm. And he's all for it. It's all about, you know, you, you were talking about the, self, the servant. And being a congressman, you got to be a selfless servant. And that's what he's it. That's that that what he, that is what he's about. And that's making sure that the the American people understand that hey, uh, we, we're going to make sure we hold people accountable for how they use taxpayers' dollars to make sure that farmers, not only farmers, our economy, jobs, 
veterans. It doesn't matter. Well, every part the of the spectrum. On. Yeah. yeah, every part of the spectrum has to be covered. Uh, one thing that has been an issue uh, in Washington uh, is the voting rights and the reform of, of the voting rights bill. Uh, the things going on with that, uh, the, the type of underhanded things that have been happening to, to, to I guess, stipend the African-American and the minority votes in this country. Uh, it came up during this election. It came up during the last election. Different state actions by governors, uh, local legislations that are trying to stipend the African-American vote, moving precincts. Uh, you say you got 18 voting precincts in the neighborhood. They mo- shut them all down except one. Uh, just so so the, the folks that were coming to this precinct for years to vote, now he has to get on the city bus and try to get to this precinct all the way across down, all the way away from their neighborhoods. Why? To stipend the African-American and the minority in, in really inner cities uh, to get those votes where they, people cannot get to the place to vote. Passing state legislation in regards to saying you have to have a particular, you have to have an ID now, putting restrictions really to make it very difficult for people to just let their voice be heard. Congressman Thompson talked about the importance of the voting of voting rights. We're going to listen to what he had to say uh, as we get into this discussion of how important this really is. Let's hear what he had to say. Hello, my name is Benny Thompson, and I proudly represent the 2nd Congressional District of Mississippi. Today, I have the pleasure to deliver this week's Congressional Black Caucus message to America about the importance of voting rights. In election year, voting and voting rights are front and center in American society. In 2016, Americans will go to the polls to elect their chosen representatives in races ranging from county election commissioners to the President of the United States. These elections will have far-reaching impacts on everything in people's lives, whether it's your garbage being picked up on time or whether or not your children will have a safe and economically sound future. The Congressional Black Caucus is absolutely committed to making sure that every election is fair and is free of barriers that prevent people from exercising their right to vote. To that end, the Congressional Black Caucus will work diligently to restore Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act and to end all discriminatory voting practices. The passage of the 1965 Voting Rights Act has allowed millions of minorities the constitutional right to vote in federal elections. In 1964, only 300 African Americans in the United States were elected to public office. This included just three in Congress. Now, there are more than 10,000 black elected officials, including 45 members of the Congressional Black Caucus. But all of that progress was put at risk when in 2013, the United States Supreme Court turned back the clock, despite unprecedented evidence of continued discrimination and ruled that Section 4 of the Voting Rights Act was unconstitutional in the Shelby versus Holder case and thereby nullified the preclearance process under Section 5 of that act. In my own state, Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act was a godsend. 
It protected black Mississippians' right to vote and gave a mechanism to fighting back when someone's right was abridged. And frankly, without Section 5 or the Voting Rights Act, I probably would not be sitting here today as a member of Congress. Mississippi and the South has a long history, horrible history of suppressing and nullifying the black vote. Going back to the time of Jim Crow, with poll taxes and literacy tests, and coming all the way up to present day, when Mississippi and other Southern states once again created discriminatory voter identification laws within hours of the Supreme Court striking down the preclearance requirement for Section 5. My state, Mississippi, has been the poster child for why these protections are so necessary. That's why the efforts of the CBC to restore all the powers of the Voting Rights Act are so important. Members of the Congressional Black Caucus have been on the front line of this fight and have been very instrumental in starting the Voting Rights Caucus to advocate for those very important reforms. Currently, there are two bipartisan legislative proposals sponsored and co-sponsored by members of the CBC to fix the Voting Rights Act, which are awaiting congressional consideration. The failure of Republican leadership has allowed these bills to languish even in the face of the first national election in 50 years scheduled to take place without protection of the Voting Rights Act. The Congressional Black Caucus is always going to be the leading voice, not only for election fairness, but also for voter participation efforts. In 2008 and 2012, black voters and young voters turned out in record numbers to elect and reelect the nation's first black president. It is vitally important that voters in the black community maintain the same level of voter participation going forward. It could very well be the difference in an election and be the deciding factor on whether or not this country will go forward with progressive ideas shared by members of the Congressional Black Caucus or go back into an era of hatred and bigotry. Elections have consequences, and the elections of 2016 probably have greater consequences than any other time in our history. have it, Congressman Benny Thompson, talking about the importance of the voting rights of Americans. Uh, And as he began to break that down, William, he talked about in detail the impact of voting. It had down definitely in the South when this was the the civil rights movement brought these things to the forefront of society in dealing with the right to vote, the right to be treated equally as American citizens. I think what stands out to me with Congressman Thompson is this. These are issues that must be addressed. Now, we're in, a, in this election year that we just concluded, one of the most contested, one of the most different uh, elections of our time, as well as we said prior to that clip being played, the efforts to suppress the African-American vote. It seems to me Congressman Thompson is trying to keep people on track here to understand, wait a minute. If you take that away, if you start playing with this, you may be able to, you may, it may not be a blatant says black people can't vote, 
But if you're going in the back door and barring the door up and I can't get out, it's the same thing. It's just in the background. That's right. That's right. His passion, I think, drives him with this. Well, I mean, you know, I think really when you look at the root of it, he he brought up a lot of things that were important. He was saying basically, you know, through history we've evolved, but if we don't, if we're not guardians of this, right, we will go back. You know, so he talked about Jim Crow and he talked about literacy tests and he talked about the fact how much they had thrown obstacles in the way to suppress vote or not allow minorities to vote. So now that minorities have a right to vote, he's sitting here saying, okay, we have to keep that right in place. He was, he was talking about Section 5. He was talking about how just that, that section alone yeah. was instrumental. As a matter of fact, that if it wasn't for that section, he would not be in the position that he was in. And I was looking at that section. It was talking about uh, it was enacted to freeze changes in, a, in election practices or procedures in covered jurisdictions until the procedures have been determined and either by an administrative review or the, by the attorney general. So basically you can't make you know, a last-minute change uh, you know, with, with, with election procedures that has to be reviewed and has to have a favorable determination before it goes into action. And so, you know, that if you think about it, where they were talking about polling places, right? You know, closed, right? Or, or the jurisdiction lines change all of a sudden, you know, and we saw all those things happen. Yes, we did. And so he's saying, if we don't look at this and fight for it, and as a member of the Congressional Black Caucus, it is their right and responsibility. He says, we fought for years. To have a right to vote, and now we have to still fight for it today. It's sad, but it's true. And the congressman, as, as you was listening to him speak, you could understand that he knew without a doubt that uh, we could, we can overcome uh, voter suppression. Uh, we did so uh, in the election of our president, uh, President Obama, uh, twice. So he, he's he's saying that even though that you know there's all these all these different uh, plans to try to uh, suppress the vote. If America's still got to get out there and vote, I mean, that's the key. You got to get out there and vote. And plus, we have to be watching for, you know, these different types of systems being put in place to suppress the vote. And if we do that, we, we, can, we can overcome voter suppression, but we can even be overcome it more by making sure that the Black Caucus stays in a position to be the uh, to watch out for the American people, make sure it doesn't happen again. Well, without question, and those are those are things that you know we said once, we'll say it again. This is about leadership, and you have to tackle the tough issues. And if we just sit idly by and say, well, you know what, this is just you know we've come a long way. We did elect a black president. We did we we don't have racial issues, ladies and gentlemen. Wake up. That's just not the facts. And whatever, wherever we went at one point, we've proven, uh, given this last campaign, this, this nation is divided along racial lines right now. And you can give it whatever name you want to give it. We got a long way to go. And Congressman Thompson says, look, I'm not going to mix my words with this. There are undercovering things going on to keep the African-American vote stifled. We can't have it. Too many people bled and died for that freedom. And we got to fight for that. Cliff? Yeah, and what uh, Congressman Thompson does is ensure that it, it continues to be exposed because, um, like was said before, you can have 
where, you know, the uh, get out and vote, um, you know, campaign happened and President Obama got voted in. But that couldn't be stifled. That can be suppressed. So somebody has to continue to expose what's going on. I mean, if there weren't people who were saying, look, voter suppression is happening where you're telling people where you used to be able to walk down a few blocks from your home and go to your local, uh, you know, local church parish and vote. And now you're going to go have to, you know, you're going to have to go somewhere 10 miles away just because we're changing it. Somebody has to be there to check that system to say, no, this is more than just saying that, well, we ended up changing the voting uh, site just for no particular reason at all. Somebody has to be there to ensure that those checks and balances are in place. And Congressman Thompson is saying, look, we're going to do everything that we can to continue to expose this and then not just to expose it, but go after it so that uh, you continue to to keep oppression from happening to the American people, especially the minority American people. And that's what it takes is members of Congress like him who are willing to put themselves on the line, their their reputation, uh, everything that they have to say, I'm about the American people. It doesn't matter politically what goes on. It's about the American people. No, without question. And again, those are issues uh, that have to be raised. And I think, you know, I'm not from the South. And William, help me with this one. The oppressive attitude, if you will, in this United States of America, for folks that are, the the oppression area down there, as as we've heard before, the inner cities, some of the areas that are just bad, some of the people feel like, do I even matter? Does my vote matter? Does it because you know what? If my vote mattered, why isn't Washington doing more to address the issues with the inner cities, with the rural areas of America? These are American citizens. They count. Who they are count. And I think we've come to a point in this country where, sad to say, African Americans are treated as if we simply don't matter. Thus, the movement of Black Lives Matter. That's that's true. I mean, you know, the the sad thing about the South is it's very little changes. It's very little. Cha- I mean, there's progressive areas in the South. There's pockets of areas. So I, I I'm not saying, uh, you know, all of them. But when you go to the rural areas, very little changes. So it's almost like this mentality where you know they're okay. They're not saying anything. So let's assume that they're fine. Yeah. You know, and and that's that's not the way to be. I mean. You know, number one, we have a responsibility. Minorities have a responsibility to get out there and vote and, 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 and learn and become educated in the policies, procedures, those that are representing you from your local, uh, you know, your local, your mayor and city council all the way up. You know, we have that responsibility because no. we do have a right to vote. But yeah. then also those that we have voted for yes. and we send back to office over and over again, they do have a right they have a responsibility to us. We are the constituents that put them in office. And that's why when you look at, you know, uh, Mr. Thompson here, Representative Thompson, right? It's, I mean, what he's doing is fighting for those that, that needed, need a voice. They need, they're looking for a champion. And that happens throughout the South. That happens throughout the rural areas where it's still, you know, the African-Americans live on this side of town. Right. And, and so, you know, and, and that's where they've lived. Their grandparents lived there. Their great-grandparents lived there. It's still a lot of old tradition, no, you know? Right. No, no, and I, I agree with you, William, on that. I, and I think uh, what Congressman Thompson is doing, we talked about uh, last week, Congressman Clyburn, doing things that are immediately affecting change 
uh, in these areas. In 1998, Congressman Thompson lodged a protest against the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks because only 8% of the department's employees were African-American, while more than one-third of the population of Mississippi is African-American. Congressman Thompson uh, noted that most of the African-Americans who were employed by the department were low-level workers in age. And I quote Congressman Thompson, it is difficult for me to believe that the agency could not find enough qualified blacks in a state that is 36% black. It is statistically impossible unless you maintain a pattern of practice of racial discrimination. And I quote uh, Congressman Thompson on that. And Cliff, when you hear the congressman respond to that, see, that's, you have to lead and you have to be a voice. And as we said in the beginning of this program, Congressman Thompson's objective was to become the voice for the voiceless. I believe he's doing that in a very clear way. It's shown by by the actions that he takes. Uh, shows that you know it, what it takes for a leader is to be able to put themselves on the line. That could be their life. That could be their career. That could be their uh, livelihood. They have to be willing to put themselves on the line. Uh, okay, having a little bit of technical difficulties, Cliff. Uh, uh, with his mic, we're going to get that worked out. Uh, Dennis, uh, going to that fact, uh, as Cliff was alluding to, to put himself on the front line of this battle, and that's what I want to say. Uh, racism is nothing, nothing easy to combat. It's nothing easy to deal with, and that's something we have to address. Cliff, I think we got you worked out now. Yeah, what I was, what I was saying is that you have to be willing to put yourself on the line and that's what Congressman uh, Thompson does. I mean, you've had civil rights leaders that, you know, like uh, Dr. King, who gave his life for, 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 for the cause. And others who were with him, you know, and, and on one point, you really can't fault, uh, fault them. Some people, they aren't willing to put their lives on the line. But a person that leads has to be able to say, I'm willing to give everything up that I may, that I may better the lives of others. And that's what it takes to be a true leader, that's what it takes to be a, a good member of Congress to say, I'm here for the American people. I'm about the advancement of the entire American people. And that's what Congressman Thompson has done and said that, look, I will speak out against whatever's wrong. I mean, you're talking, this is a man who, uh, who called Clarence Thomas uh, Uncle Tom, and rightfully so. The things that he did were, were not... Uh, reasonable when it came to minorities to, to black minorities as he the way he should have represented them and uh congressman thompson said i have no problem saying that because in my opinion it's true and he dealt with it and took whatever flat came but in the end it proved that that's exactly who he was well and again congressman thompson does not mix his words uh and he's in, we're entitled to that under the uh constitution of the united states ladies and gentlemen the other side of the break, we're bringing what you've been waiting for, the interview, live one-on-one interview, with ex- exclusive one-on-one interview, excuse me, with Congressman Benny Thompson, uh, actually happened about a week ago with uh, myself and, and Lisa, uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, it was a humdinger. We're bringing that interview right back on the other side of this break. This is AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday, and tonight we are honoring a champion, Congressman Benny Thompson, making a difference. We'll be right back. Hello. 
Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Black History Month is huge. It's a way for us to reconnect with our history. Continue to celebrate and acknowledge the immense amount of contributions that black people have made. Black History Month is a celebration of culture. Another opportunity for everyone to remember that we're all human. And to have a month that reminds people that black history is American history. More than just having names and numbers and dates that are in a book. To remember how important it is to be black. I think that the important Black History Month is that if you don't know where you came from, you're not going to be prepared for where you're going. We all stand on the shoulders of somebody else. If I stand tall, it's because I'm standing on the shoulders of those who came before me. Black history. More than a month. Here are 50 white guys. Here are 50 black guys. Here's how many white guys can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. The chances amount to one out of 17. Now here's how many black guys can expect the same thing. The chances are one out of three. Why? Lots of reasons. It's complicated. But one thing is clear. There's racial bias at every level of the criminal justice system. When blacks and whites commit the same kind of crimes, blacks are more likely to be arrested. Once arrested, they're more likely to be convicted. Once convicted, they're more likely to serve longer sentences. Look at the numbers in America's so-called war on drugs. About 14% of American drug users are black, as are about a quarter of drug sellers. Yet blacks are 34% of the people arrested for drug crimes. And those convicted of drug crimes, 46% are black. By the time we factor in sentencing, there are actually more black drug offenders than white ones in state prisons and in federal prisons. In the end, the incarceration rate for drug crimes is 10 times higher for blacks than it is for whites. These are the facts. Racial disparity in America's war on drugs is one big reason that one out of three black men can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. We know you care. Now is time. Time to change the face of justice. Did you know that minority and youth participation in juries is extremely low to non-existent? The incidence of youth and minority offenders faced with trials have exploded. Youth and minorities are not being represented as they should be. We must represent for people to get fair trials. If you acquire a state ID or driver's license, it allows you to register to vote. And it allows you to become eligible for jury service. If you're 18, a U.S. citizen with a state ID or driver's license, and registered to vote, you're eligible to be called for jury duty. If called and selected, make it your duty to serve. We can't get justice without you. Change. 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 Change the face of justice. 
check your local county or state jury service website for further details. There's a lot of mud when it rains here, and it makes it really hard to find food. There are car bombs every day. My mom worries about me when I go out. Every time I hear the alarm bell go off in school, I think it's an air raid. Sometimes I have nightmares about it. A lot of houses in our neighborhood have been destroyed. I like to close my ears and sing songs whenever the bombs come close. My dad says we have to leave, which makes me scared. I'm worried our new neighbors won't like us. What if they don't understand our religion? Because we don't speak the language, it might be hard for me to make friends. But I know it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be worth it. I just want my family to be safe. But these are not my words. These are not my words. These are not my words. And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. And tonight we have been honored and really privileged, uh, William, to talk about Congressman Benny Thompson. We talked about the things going on in this country. And I'll tell you what, he's out here making a difference and doing the best he can, I believe, to cross party lines to make sure something gets done. I think so. I think so. I, you know, more and more you, you read, you see what the congressman is doing. Not only is he representing his district well in the great state of Mississippi, I mean, he is out here fighting for, for all of us, you know, all the citizens of the United States. I mean, a lot of the policies and procedures that we will look at and we'll cover, uh, you'll see he's definitely making an impact. Well, we're going to get ready right now, ladies and gentlemen of America, pull up a chair. We're getting ready to bring that interview Congressman Benny Thompson, our interview from Washington, D.C., a couple of weeks ago. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen of America, Lamont Banks here with Lisa Stewart, LaWanna Clark here on AJC Radio. And we have had the we have the privilege of shining the spotlight today, uh, this evening on Congressman Benny Thompson doing some good things in Washington. We're going to get into dialogue and get into discussion. And uh, Congressman, thank you so much for allowing us to be here and be a part of this. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And Congressman, let's go a little bit uh, into everybody in this country right now is in, I don't know, how do I put this, in a very different mindset right now. People are panicking. People are nervous. People are uneasy. What challenges does Congress face as we go forward with the country that's really unsure right now on the brink of a lot of things? Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. Uh, As you know, uh, as of January 20th, uh, there's a a new president in town. And since that time, he has uh, shaken things up, uh, to say the least. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, uh, in the minds of a lot of people that I represent, He's doing it the wrong way. Right. He's picking on uh, the most vulnerable people in our society. He is uh, uh, singling people out based on their religion uh, or their race, uh, their ethnicity, and that's not who we are as a country. So that is a challenge for a lot of people uh, like Benny Thompson and others who feel that 
this great country uh, should uh, be uh, not only available to all, but should treat people the same. And so we have that mission uh, over the next few years here in Washington to uh, try to get that over. But uh, uh, with the White House, the Senate, and the U.S. House of Representatives uh, under Republican control, uh, it will be a tough, tough uh, endeavor. But nonetheless, uh, we will uh, go forward with it. So it could be education. Uh, We have someone who's put up uh, for education secretary who uh, has no experience with public education, no experience with higher education. Uh, children didn't have to uh, depend on a loan or a grant right. to go to college. Uh, so the real experience in education for the majority of the people in this country, uh, she's um, uh, totally uh, void of it. Uh, we have a secretary of labor who say that we'd be better off having robots doing work uh, rather than paying people a uh, a decent wage. Mm-hmm. And that overtime and sick leave uh, uh, ought to be changed to the point that you come to work, you get paid. You don't come to work, uh, you don't get paid. Or you work longer, uh, you get paid the same thing. So that's not who we are sure. as a country. So when you see these things happening, uh, and, and now, uh, you know, just with the times that we live in, uh, we have to still, uh, being a member of the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, we call ourselves the conscience of Congress. Right. And so we have to make sure that uh, those members who probably don't think like we do, at least they'll hear uh, from us. Oh, absolutely, Congressman. And, and I was saying yesterday, uh, uh, Senator Schumer, uh, given this huge, I would say, exodus attempt uh, of the Muslim community uh, by the actions and executive orders, if you will, uh, I was very moved by Congressman Schumer's emotion. Uh, it was as real and genuine as I've ever seen him, and, and we've I followed him over the years, and, and it, it was very disheartening to me. How important is it, and I'll ask this question to you, Congressman, it, you have to be, in any form of work that you do, you have to be engaged to the point where there's a connection with the people that, that elect you. Uh, I say this all the time that uh, I consider to be a constituent of yours because your work here impacts a nation. It's not just the districts, the individual districts. You have a representative from districts, but what I'm going to tell you, when they're voting on that House floor, Mm-hmm. On that Senate floor for legislation that affects, and that's what we've learned through yeah. Spotlight on Capitol Hill. I am a constituent of, of, mm-hmm. of Congressman mm-hmm. uh, Benny Thompson. You know what? Yeah. And I appreciate the hard work that you do. How do we at least try to get back? And I believe America's strong enough to do it. We faced challenges before, uh, as our former president says so many times, and we were able to fight our way out. I think the integrity issue. Of, of, of Congressman, uh, Senator Schumer, excuse me, uh, that moved me to almost to tears last mm-hmm, night when I saw mm-hmm. him. Uh, how important is that in this hour that we connect with the American people? Because people well, are dealing well, with that. Good point. 
you know, as Americans, we have a value system mm-hmm. uh, that that is predicated on the fact that we treat and should treat everybody the same. Right. So if you are a Christian, a Muslim, uh, an atheist, or whatever, you're still a human being. Right. And, and so the challenge for us is how do we make sure that the framers of our Constitution didn't make a mistake by saying everybody's equal. That if you get here right. uh, uh, from foreign land, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to accept you regardless of race, creed, or color, regardless of where you came from, right. because this is a new beginning if you right. can get to the United States of America. Right. So what we're now faced with is people saying, well, we don't want you. If you're from these countries, right. we don't want you if you're not a Christian. And, and so all of a sudden, a, a country that is basically made up of immigrants mm-hmm. are saying we're too good to allow anybody else right. to come in. Right. And so that's why Senator Schumer was crying, because New York is the melting pot. Oh, yes, for the world, yes, it is. You know, you can go to New York and see yes. the rainbow. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And, and so, yeah. uh, then for the president to say that the tears he was shedding were fake tears, mm-hmm. and I'm saying this is the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, lowering the office and everything. To the point that he's now reacting to everything going on. Sure. You know, uh, I can't react to everything that goes on in my district, but he's sitting there watching TV and anything he disagrees with, they go on Twitter. (laughs) And so we are not, if, 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 as commander-in-chief, he's the official Twitter responder, then the voters, in my estimation, mm-hmm. made a mistake. Mm-hmm. When you put somebody in charge, you're looking at the big picture. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, you know you're in the World Series. You're not playing sandlot ball. Right. right. You know, and so he's still out here playing sandlot ball gotcha. when he ought to be in the in the World Series. Right. And so now other countries around the world who look to America uh, for direction and 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 emulation are saying, What in the world has happened to you all? Now they were shocked by the fact of the Donald Trump presidency. But more importantly now, they're saying what he's doing uh, is bad for everybody. So, you know, like I said, we got a problem. And uh, the Congressional Black Caucus and a lot of other people uh, will be vigilant. Uh, The lower opposition, 
But I would say that if he comes with something right, right, we'll support it. Right. But if he doesn't, we'll oppose whatever he comes with. Right. And unfortunately, everything out to shoot so far right. has been against the values of what this country stands for. Oh, absolutely. And and, and so I, I think over the next few months, mm-hmm. we can just get ready. Somebody made the statement, the congressman, that uh, this was a storm, uh, a calm calm before the storm. storm. And I'm thinking, if this is the calm, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? How do we we deal with that? But a good point, uh, congressman, and I understand, let's go a little bit to the security and safety of this country. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you are oversight. For chair over the Department of Homeland Security. But I'm the ranking Democrat on, the homeland, ranking de- homeland, on security. homeland Security. Right. Now, we deal with, again, this country, uh, we, the, the statement has been made that there are sleeper cells in the United States. The threat of terrorism is already here. Uh, that's something that doesn't make people sleep good at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, my thought is, I talked to a, a member of Congress last year in regards to information sharing, how important that is within the fight against terror. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have agencies that, see, you know, that simply just want to look, this is our group, we're not sharing this. This is our group, we're, gonna, we're not going to share it because somebody wants credit for it. Eagles have to be left at the door when you're talking about body bags that fill up in the United States. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts, to what extent should the United States, Department of Homeland Security, you as a ranking member of that committee, should there be any stopping sense, if you will, or lack of pursuing to keep this country safe and our children, our grandchildren, mm-hmm. as we go on? How important is that we focus on that? But again, it's still, as you said in the, uh, the previous issue, it has to be done the right way. Mm-hmm. How important is it and who do we set up? What do we do to make it easier for people to say, look, you know, somebody has something here that can help keep us safe. Somebody, mm-hmm. What do we do to bring these yeah. entities together? Well, you know, 9-11 uh, was a wake-up call mm-hmm. for the security of this country. We had everybody out here trying to protect people, but they weren't talking to each other. Exactly right. The FBI wasn't talking to CIA. Uh, CIA wasn't talking to NSA. NSA wasn't talking to the Department of Defense. You know, just all around. So over time, we have mandated legislatively uh, that the stove piping, uh, as it's commonly referred to, would go away. Sure. Uh, and that stove piping means all the information the FBI would have would stay right there. Right. Right. Okay. All the information CIA would have would stay right there. Mm-hmm. So get away with that. Now the problem with it is that's a culture. Sure. So you can't legislate cultural changes. Over time, you can get used to sure. doing different things. And that's, that's kind of where we are. So I can say had the cultural change been in existence uh, before 9-11, right. uh, because the CIA knew the hijackers were in the country, but they didn't tell the FBI. They didn't tell uh, uh, 
the various police departments in the cities where they were located. Right. So there were terrorists being trained uh, to fly an airplane right under the noses of local law enforcement. And law, no, law enforcement had no knowledge. So, wow. so we're trying to fix that. Sure. Now, the other problem associated uh, with what you're saying is, is that um, uh, we put resources mm-hmm. uh, in place to try to fix it. But what you don't want is to create a situation where people are afraid to go out of their house. Absolutely. Uh, people are afraid to go shopping. People are afraid to go to church. So you don't want that, that kind of environment. Sure. Now, now, here's where it gets really dicey. We got international terrorists mm-hmm. who are trying to get here. Sure. But we got domestic terrorists, whether they are uh, affiliated with Al-Qaeda or ISIS. But we got Ku Klux Klan. We got the Aryan Nation. Mm-hmm. We got all kind of domestic terrorists running Absolutely. around here. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, so our job is to just get the bad folk, but see, we've been focused on this this international terrorist. So we got these lone wolves shooting up schools, shooting up movie theaters, shooting up nightclubs, uh, shooting up marathons, uh, uh, bombing things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. These folk here. Yeah. These folks didn't right. come here to do that. They're here. That's right. So our job is to just get the bad people. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. You've just been listening to his interview with Congressman Benny Thompson from Mississippi, uh, interview from Washington, D.C. a few weeks ago, Lisa. Um, man, that's a lot of information. Uh, but I'll tell you what. It's common sense. It is. It really uh, is. Showing the dedication uh, of Congressman Thompson. Lisa, your thoughts on, I mean, I know we were there. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts after hearing that again, what does that trigger inside of you? I think it just triggers a feeling of, it reminds, I think it just reminds you of how much we still have to do. There's a lot that there's a lot that's happened. There's a lot that he's seen. There's a lot that's gone on in the world. But there's still so much that needs to be done. We, I mean, it's you realize that there's there's too much work to do, and we need more people that are willing to do it because it's so many things that need to be changed in this country for things to be the way they should be. Well, it definitely sounds like they definitely have the right person in that position. Ranking member, of Department of Oversight of Department of, Hand, of Homeland Security. Uh, very connected to what's going on, William. When you hear the words of Congressman Thompson, what stands out to you in that part one of that interview? Well, I think he's he's addressing a lot of the big issues he was talking about. I think just in a nutshell, he said, listen, if Trump gives us something that's good for the people, hey, we'll support it. Right. And and if not, then so be it. He said, hey, what's come out of the shoot so far hadn't been too good. But what he – so – Really, what he's saying is, if it's good for the people, then I'm, I'm for it. But when you're when you're dealing with legislation that is is you know like the travel ban that is uh, discriminatory, and he brought up, he said New York was the melting pot. 
He said, you go there and see a rainbow. So when you're, when you're, he's dealing with these hard issues. He's dealing right. with the tough topics that people are, are, they're trying to skirt around. They're trying to just, you know, the term that the political term pivot around it. They don't want to right. deal with it. He's like, no, let's deal with this. Yeah, no, let's ab- deal with it. No, absolutely, William. Dennis, your thoughts on that as well. Uh, some very uh, profound things stated by Congressman Thompson there. Uh, very truthful things, but very things that are thought-provoking. Good uh, thoughts out of what you've heard so far. Great. I mean, true. When he was talking about Homeland Security, I mean, let's be real. You know, it's on outside getting in. Let's look at domestic uh, What's terrorists. here? I mean, what's here? <laughs> sure. and, and that's what he was about. He was, he was making sure people understand. Don't get, you know, don't get sidetracked. Uh, we need to look at all, everything, anything that can, uh, you know, affect this nation and affect the people of this nation and, you know, keeping them safe. And, and you can't just think about, you know, stopping terrorists from getting in. What are you going to do about the terrorists that are already here? Well, I think it says uh, when folks take the oath of office uh, to protect uh, the it's a, it's a, to protect the United States of America from foreign and domestic, domestic that's right. Uh, uh, acts of terror or whatever you want to that means in the United States and outside but which Congressman Thompson uh, pointed out which is a true point Cliff is you've heard the Congressman speak uh, what, what stands out to you in, in his in his conversation that you've heard well I think I echo what uh, William and, and Dennis is that you know he, he's just looking at the entire picture it's not it's not just about you know like Dennis stated you know foreign threats to America it's the militiamen, it's the, the uh, you know, the, the school shooters, everybody that's involved that we have to deal with all of it. And then as well, you know, what he spoke about the new administration, it's like, you know, if, if something sensible comes out of it, if something that helps the American people is put forth, then he's willing to, uh, you know, basically put his, put his vote in and work with him. That is... The common sense stance that says, yeah, if it's good, let's all run with it. If it's bad, then we cannot, uh, you know, in good, in good conscience, stand, uh, you know, with, with bad and wrong ideas. And that's what it takes, again, you know, the common sense stance that says, look, if it works for the American people, then it works for me as a member of Congress. And that is the stance they have to take. It cannot just be along party lines. It cannot just be, well... Uh, it works for my party or it works for my constituents. No, it has to be something that, uh, you know, the members of Congress have to understand that their decisions affect uh, every member of uh, of the United States, every citizen. And that is the mindset they have to keep. And that's what Congressman Tom- Thompson is about. Well, that's what he's doing. And I think what, what, what stands out to me the most, I think, of what Cliff, what you just alluded to when he said, if it's good, we'll support him. And so it's not. Democrats are not just sitting on the hill saying we don't want nothing to do with this president. If every attitude of every member is, if it's good, we will support the president. That could have helped in the last eight years with President Obama with that type of mindset. But that, again, separates. They used to say, if you can't run uh, with the big dogs, don't come on the porch. Uh, These are the big dogs. And the bottom line is that this is what it takes to separate Congressman Thompson, and I'm sure other members feel the same way. Give us some good stuff to work with. That's the attitude that gets the job done in Washington. That's how you cross the aisle. 
and affect the lives of the American people on both sides. And I think that's critically important. Ladies and gentlemen, this is AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. We're coming back with the final part of our interview with Congressman Benny Thompson uh, from our own location interview in Washington, D.C. a couple of weeks ago. We're going to conclude that on the other side of this break. This is AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. And a note, Lisa, we noted before, uh, Luana Clark was also in that uh, interview with us, with Congressman Thompson, and we appreciated her being there. Didn't want to leave her out. She was in that interview uh, with us as a team, and uh, we appreciate her efforts in this fight for justice as well. We're coming back on the other side of the break. This is AJC Radio. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now, add a wrongful conviction to that. Life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions by remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation. You can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today, 1-855-529-4252. We seek justice for the children as they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. Black History Month is a month of celebration, uh, a month of you know how far we've come, uh, our past, our people of today. Uh, it's just a celebration of all black culture. The opportunities that we have today would not exist without the sacrifices uh, of those before us. They really paved the way for us. The things that really matter during the month is just to continue to push forward make sure we continue honoring those thoughts and, you know, those individuals. Let's just be honest. When we look across the street to the Supreme Court and we see equal justice under law, um, when you have drug laws so severely, disparately enforced against some groups, let's take African-Americans, for example, there's no difference between black and white marijuana usage or marijuana sales, in fact. But blacks are about 3.7 times more likely to be arrested for it. Um, African-Americans are more likely to get uh, mandatory minimums, are more likely about 13, to get 13% longer sentences. And it's created these jagged disparities in incarceration. In my state, blacks are about 13, 14% of the population. They make up over 60% of the prison population. And remember, the overall majority of people we arrest in America are nonviolent offenders. Now you've got this, this disparity in the arrest, but that creates disparities that painfully fall all along the system. When you get arrested uh, for possession with intent to sell, do it in inner city, now you're within a school zone. So now you have to face an even higher mandatory minimum. 
Now you're 19 years old with a felony conviction, possession, intent to sell in a school zone. Forget even all that. You just have a felony conviction for possession. What do you face now? Thousands of collateral consequences that will dog you for the rest of your life. You can't get a Pell Grant. You can't get business licenses. You can't get a job. You're hungry, can't get food stamps. Uh, You need a place to live, you can't even get public housing. And what that does is created within our country concentrated areas where you have massive levels of men being incarcerated. You create a caste system in which people feel like there's no way out. And we're not doing anything as a society like we know we could do because there's tons of pilot programs that show if you help people when they are coming back from a nonviolent offense, that their recidivism rates go dramatically down. If you don't help them, what happens is left with limited options, many people make a decision to go back into that world of of narcotics sales. Uh, uh, What's more dangerous to society? Someone smoking marijuana in the privacy of their own home or somebody going 30 miles over the speed limit, racing down a road in, in a community? What is more dangerous to society? But yet that teenager who makes a mistake for doing things the last three presidents admitted to doing, now they have a felony conviction because it's more likely they're going to get caught. And for the rest of their life, they're 29, 39, 49, 59, they're still paying for a mistake they made as a teenager. Now, that's not the kind of society uh, that I believe in, nor is it fiscally responsible. Nor It's undermining their productivity, undermining their ability to take care of their family. This is so wrong that those conversations that I'm having with conservatives as well as uh, Democrats uh, are resonating. And so when you have people like Rand Paul standing up and talking about racial disparities in incarceration, this convergence in understanding uh, of fiscal conservatives, of Christian conservatives, of libertarians, shows me that this is a time of great hope for our country. And so I'm not going to question people's motives. This is one of those issues like the civil rights movement in the 1960s, where it should pull all Americans together to say enough is enough. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio. You're down in the AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. I'm Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, and William Williams in the AJC Radio team tonight. And I'll tell you what, Congressman Benny Thompson making a difference and talking the talk, but he's also walking the walk. And uh, that's what we talk about here on AJC Radio. And Dennis, I'll tell you what, I'm ready for part two. This seems like a new entree on the menu. And uh, your thoughts on that is we've heard some profound things from Congressman Thompson. I'll tell you what, that'll motivate you to understand the seriousness of that job. Exactly. Him doing what's, what he needs to do to make sure people understand that it's got to be about the people. And that's, that's truly it. And when you got a constituent like that, I mean, when you got a congressman that's all about his constituents, it's awesome. And then about the American people and about our national security and about he's, he's into so many things. And then keeping it straight because he no, did, absolutely. you know, making sure, okay, let's not forget, we do have some problems in America that we need to fix. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things, that, uh, Dennis, we talked about his, his passion for veterans. He's doing some things there. 
you know, you just don't have enough time in a show uh, to highlight the accomplishments of people doing all that Congressman Thompson is doing. We're going to do our best to shine the light in a very positive way. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, hold on. We're going to take you to part two in the final, the conclusion of our interview with Congressman Benny Thompson on Capitol Hill. And so, but that's training, that's training, and that's training. Sure. Because, you know, I talked about that culture. Right. So if I can put all those departments in a training mode, sure. then it doesn't matter what uniform I wear or what badge Absolutely. I wear. We all after the same folks. Absolutely. But that's the cultural change sure. that we're trying to do. Sure. And, and right in the midst of that, we get this Donald Trump executive order yeah. changing the whole thing. Well, yeah. And that's why you saw all those folk in the street right. saying, wait a minute. Sure. You know, <laughs> you mean I can't fly out of the United States? I can't fly in? And then the executive order came with no direction. Absolutely. So, so the folk at RFK uh, Airport or Dulles or Atlanta International or LAX uh they sent them the order signed by the president. Say, okay, where's the rest of it? Absolutely. It wasn't there. Yeah. And so that's why you had people in the streets saying, this is not how you run a government. Right. You know, this is knee jerk. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, and so in the midst of all that, uh, we have Donald Trump adding to the confusion. Uh, he's president. He can do that. Uh, but the people charged with carrying it out. Sure have an awesome task. No, absolutely. And Congressman, uh, there is some information I'm going to actually leave with you today before we leave. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the men, the IRP-6. These were uh, uh, five African-Americans, one Italian-American, and I'm going to make a point to you here, that actually created software to basically cripple ISIS. Uh, It was nothing like it seemed. Nobody had ever come up with this type of software. And as you said, as far as communications and talking, uh, this is something that I'm going to ask you this question as I make my point here. We in this country talk about the entrepreneur spirit, that we have our black men locked up, that where are they taking responsibility? What are they doing in our communities? We've heard that type of criticism before. This is my question to you. When you have men that set out to, and these particular men actually went to ground zero and saw the devastation of 9-11. And they said this to themselves, we are going to not allow something like this to happen on our watch. Where are the African-American businessmen? Where are they at doing what they need to do? These men set out with an entrepreneur spirit to impact a nation. They were moved by their conscience. But our criminal justice system said, we'd like to give you a thank you card, a free go to jail card for your service. These are former patriots, I call them, of America that did some things. When you have a system set up, Congressman, that you have men that are striving to be something in this life, to our our other black children that are coming up, and to Americans as a whole, and you see our pictures painted in our system that say, well, we're going to lock you up or lock you away. And it's not about chiming in on guilt or innocence. My point is this. These men had a product and still have that product that can keep Susie and Bobby and all of our children, when they tuck in at night, they know they're safe. 
How do we address those issues with our African-American community? You have a criminal justice system. You have DHS that says we've never seen software like this ever. But because of the, like you said, this, this group here is not sharing. They don't, somebody wants to take credit for it. All these men set out to do was to keep America safe, their children safe. Mm-hmm. How well, do you address that? Well, I'm not familiar with uh, the group you talked about. But uh, on just about a daily basis, when things come to our attention that has the potential to make America safe, uh, we kind of press the case on behalf of it so that whatever the testing that's required, sure. uh, we make sure they get to that point. Sure. Now, uh, to get out of that point requires them proving that it works. Absolutely. Now, my experience is that a company uh, of good people with good ideas uh, won't make it because they don't understand how the process works. Sure. Now, I don't defend the process. Sure. But I say there is no substitute for knowing how the process works. No, absolutely. I agree with you. And so I would say to either those individuals or people who, like yourself, who have knowledge of what they do, is to come and talk to folk like me about that product, demonstrate it, and then I'd say, here's this person over here you need to talk to. Here's this person over here you need to talk to. And that can get a lot of that. Uh, frustration out of the, that person promoting the product. Because sure. as a member of Congress, those individuals will have to respond. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how the process works. Well, I got you on that, Congress. You, you see what I'm I saying? I see what you're yeah. saying. And I think what you say is so good, and I think this is why, Lisa, we talk about honoring the people. We don't just pick a page out of the book and say, hey, let's go talk to... No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk to the people. See, I, I feel a very good thing as far as your engagement. And that's why I asked you that question. You are about doing something. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are not about that. People talk. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, that's very, very important what we see with you and, and why we respect you so much, Congressman, is that this is what gives people vision to go forward. Whether you're dealing with a administration that is doing chaotic things, uh, this is about the leadership of Congress to say, look, we got a mess here. And no sense in mixing our words with it. We have a mess here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that's very, very good. Well, you know, one of the things I tell my friends is my ancestors survived slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm convinced we'll survive Donald Trump. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, 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 and so slavery is clearly uh, uh, man's inhumanity to man. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And I don't know many things worse. So whatever Donald Trump come with, you know, we're survivors. Yeah. And uh, I think because we have that survival instinct, mm-hmm. uh, we will become stronger because of it. I, I yeah, agree absolutely. with the congressman. And again, we don't, we're not going to take a lot of your time, congressman. I know you're busy and, uh, you know, I cannot just turn on the TV. And I was in the hotel room last night. Just, I'm thinking... You know, I'm shaking my mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. But the point that you make, I think, which is good as far as the, look, it didn't get worse than slavery. Mm-hmm. 
Mm, good point. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a country boy. Mm-hmm. All right. I hunt. I fish. I do all kinds what? of stuff. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, um, but we got a lot of sayings that I think are, are applicable to these times. Uh, one uh, another saying you'll hear is "Give them enough rope, and they hang themselves." <laughs> you understand? Yeah. I'm convinced that if our president goes so far, this country is going to rise up and say enough is enough. And and so even with what happened on November 8th, Mm -hmm. I don't know a better country that I'd want to be in than the United States of America. So I'm willing uh, to roll up my sleeves over the next few months or years to prove that me staying in the United States of America is not a mistake. I agree with you, Congressman. I'll tell you what, if, if I, you know, I didn't have doubt about this anyway, uh, but the people who elected you, uh, we take a, they tell them to take a bow. They got it right with, with Congressman Thompson. And that's good to know. The feeling I have is that this is the leadership we need in this country right now. You are the, in my opinion, uh, the poster child, if you will, of leadership that can get the job done. Mm-hmm. And th- that, I'm telling you, that, that goes a long way. I think our listeners uh, would agree with that, Lisa. Absolutely. That, you know, this is what motivates you to say on that November night, that cold night, if it's cold where you are, I'm putting on my boots, I'm putting on my jacket, and I'm going to vote. That's right. And this is the importance of it. And yeah. this is what we're learning. And, you know, in America... We settle our differences at the ballot box. Yes, we do. Uh, Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But even in losing, we don't riot in the streets. Sure. We don't burn houses. Uh, we don't loot. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Pick yourself up and say, I'll see you next time. That's what we do. That's, That's it. What we do. Ladies and gentlemen, Congressman Benny Thompson. I'll tell you what, uh, we are privileged and honored to have had the opportunity to speak with you. Uh, and I'll say, it, I'll say it once, I'll say it again. This is what democracy is about. And you, to me, Congressman, have shown that democracy. You've actually rejuvenated, rejuvenized, is that a word? Rejuvenated <laughs> me uh, and motivated me to continue to do what we do and use our platform to say to the American people and the people around the world, America can get it right, and we have people in position in our nation's capital that are committed mm-hmm. to doing that. Mm-hmm. You are you are definitely the example of that, and we appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. This is AJC Radio talking to Congressman Benny Thompson on this special spotlight on Capitol Hill coming live from Washington, D.C. We'll be right back. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Congressman Benny Thompson. What a unique individual, Lisa. A what a what a passionate man, leader, champion, whatever adjective you want to give it. Uh, doing some things, and we were delighted, Lisa, to hear that again. Uh, gets the juices pumping all over again, doesn't it? 
Yes, it does. I mean, he's just he's he's incredible. He's just he's just such an interesting man to spend time with and talk to. And his his take on things, his outlook on on the country and the things I mean, just African-American people as a whole, the things that we've gone through, the things that we're facing. I mean, he's he's just an instrument. He's an, uh, excuse me, an inspiration. Oh, absolutely. Cliff, your thoughts. Uh, Congressman Manny Thompson says, I'm just a country boy. But I'm doing some things out here that, without a, without a doubt, uh, he's a true man of his word and a man of the people, without question. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he says just a country boy, but he's making decisions and impacts that, uh, you know, affect the entire nation. And that's what it takes. I mean, he, he takes his humble beginnings and says, look, I'm, I'm trying to do things for the people uh, who came from the places like where I came from. I'm trying to make it better for for everybody. And no matter who, I mean, I think it is um, extremely important and really stands out to me. The fact that he said, you know, if if uh, the president, President Trump comes up with something reasonable, sensible, that he'll stand with him. That uh, speaks volumes that says he's not only willing to, uh, you know, stand in a in a uh, in a bipartisan uh, way, but to say, hey, you know, obviously, obviously Trump is not the president that he wants uh, in, in the White House. But he said if he comes up with something that's best for the American people, I'll work with it. That speaks volumes to me, tells about his integrity, who he is about, um, you sure. know, working for the American people. Dennis, your thoughts on the congressman? A uh, lot, lot to discuss. Your thoughts. What impact left with you? What was left with me is that he's very straightforward and he's truly real. And that's what we need in our congressmen, our representatives, to be truly about the American people, about making sure if I got across the aisle to make it happen, then I'll do that. I'll be with you if you're about right, but if you're about wrong, I'm against you. And and, and truly, that's the attributes of a good congressman. Oh, absolutely. William, your thoughts being from down south, uh, some of the things you can probably definitely touch in and identify with, uh, this man is... Congressman Thompson, without a doubt, uh, is the real deal. Yeah, he's he's real. I mean, he he's dealing with real issues. Um, you know, he like Cliff said, he take he's basing it off his humble beginnings, but he's realizing, you know, years later, you know, decades later, he still fight. You know, still the need to fight, fight for the rights of those, and be a voice for those people that, uh, like I said, the voice to the voiceless. So, um, I think he made some good points in that interview. Things that we all should think about, you know, terrorism, both domestic and abroad. You know, those that are here. He talked about the Klan. He talked about white supremacists. All these things are important. The things that we can't, we can't um, ignore. And then, you know, with dealing with voter suppression, dealing with the role of the Congressional Black Caucus, and then his role, you know, himself, he's saying, listen, Dennis pointed out, pointed out to uh, the fact that he said, listen, if this bill is good, if it's something good for the people, it's good. I'll, I'll be all on board. I'm going to support it. But if it's not, I'm not going to. And, and he deals with the accountability. He deals with, you know, the things, uh, you know. The congressman, you know, should deal with. And then, you know, it's just amazing. It's good to hear him talk and to deal with these issues. Well, and again, as you know, everybody in America right now celebrating Black History Month, the importance of the accomplishments. of, And we're finding out with Black History Month is a, is a reflection or a remembrance, if you will, of those that have left their uh, 
their impact on a society. And that's why Black History Month is here. Uh, Congressman Thompson speaks to that, the importance of remembering Black History Month. There are a lot of things in place in this country right now that blacks, whites, Hispanics, all of us benefit from, whose foundation was laid by an African-American. And why that's not appreciated in this time and hour is a mystery to me. Let's hear what Congressman Thompson had to say, the importance of remembering Black History Month. Hello, I'm Congressman Benny Thompson. Every year in February, we as a nation come together to celebrate Black History Month and recognize the contributions African-Americans have made to the foundation of this country. There's no state in this country where the sacrifices made by African-American activism have made more of an impact in their communities than our great state of Mississippi. African-Americans continue to pave the way in high-profile leadership positions in all fields, including public office, the military, health care, and education. I'm proud to say that Mississippi leads the nation in having the largest number of black elected officials with representation at all levels. Here in our district, leaders like the late Aaron Shirley worked tirelessly to make contributions to break the racial barrier in the field of health care, making it possible for many young African-American youth to follow in his footsteps. But while African-Americans are leading our communities, there is still work to be done when it comes to fighting for equality. This year marks 50 years since the passage of the historic Voting Rights Act of 1965 that sought to prohibit racial discrimination in voting. However, with the 2013 Supreme Court decision to invalidate a key section of the Voting Rights Act, governments such as Mississippi, with a history of racial discrimination, no longer have to provide proof that their voting laws ensure equal access to the polls regardless of race, skin, color, or language. With that section now removed, our state, along with others, are left vulnerable to discriminatory laws such as voter ID that have severely burdened many Americans. These laws not only make it more difficult for some, but are modern-day attempts to disenfranchise minority and elderly voters. It is every American's constitutional right to have a voice in their government. These recent developments are not only an assault on voting rights, but also an attack on our democracy. Rest assured, I'll continue to fight until this Congress passes a renewed, revised, and strengthened Voting Rights Act that will once again ensure that no discrimination allowed in this country and that every single Mississippian can exercise their right to vote. This month, I look forward to celebrating Black History Month, and I hope you will join me. Keep the faith. And welcome back, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Agency Radio, listening to Congressman Benny Thompson reflect on Black History Month, the importance of 
us recognizing as a nation, no matter what race you come from, what background you have, Dennis, this speaks a lot to the character of Congressman Thompson that we've been talking about on this show tonight. Uh, this is a connection with the American people. And without a, without a doubt, his constituents there in Mississippi as well, as he brings these points to the forefront of conversation. Right. And when you talk about all American people, right, when you're talking about making sure we do the right thing for each and every person, and you're not singling out a mill, or you're not separating the American people. We, we're great because we're a country that's together. But when you start separating us and you start putting us in different areas and, and we don't communicate with each other, then you, you're looking at a fall. And uh, I tell you, uh, the congressman is truly straightforward, and he's about making sure people understand. Uh, we Look at everything. Don't, don't, don't let nothing get past you. Uh, with this new uh, presidency, I mean, we really got to look at yes. what's going on in this country to make sure that uh, different classes of people don't lose out. Without question. And uh, we talked uh, to uh, William uh, earlier regarding the civil rights position. You said uh, Congressman uh, Thompson has seen these things up close and personal uh, coming from the South. Uh, it has been Congressman Thompson's charge to support the fairness and equality as expressed in the titles of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Congressman Thompson believes providing for fair and non-discriminatory practices in our schools, job sectors, and communities will, pro- will prove to be vital in this country's plans for a future where we outbuild, out-educate, and out-innovate the rest of the world. Congressman Thompson has diligently fought to reverse discrimination in the higher education system of Mississippi, as an original plaintiff in the heirs desegregation case, he has historically used the court system as an avenue for change on the local, state, and federal level. Lawsuits include efforts to have duly elected officials assume office, state, redistricting efforts, and, and, and played an instrumental role in the Black Farmers case, paving the way for more than 20,000 farmers to file under the consent decree. Congressman Thompson believes that our court should provide rulings of non-biased justice, that hiring and promotional practices should flow evenly and fluidly across gender lines, that small businesses owners should be afforded the opportunity to take advantage of expansion opportunities when presented without the threat of encouragement, excuse me, of encroachment or violation of their civil rights. To this end, the efforts of Congressman Thompson have been and continue to be towards the vigilant monitoring, protection, and preservation of the civil rights of each and every citizen of this country. And I'll tell you what, that sums it up, and that says it all. This is AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. We honor the champion from Mississippi, Congressman Benny Thompson. Take a bow. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to give a very special invitation to you tonight and every day thereafter. If you're struggling with addiction issues, the shortest treatment and recovery is the place to go. If you have any questions, dial 1-888-975-4105, or you can contact Stephanie King, the champion for those that fight this battle. Her number is 720-305. Two six two one. You can go to www.theshoresrecovery.com. There is a way out. There is an answer. Let's do it together today. 
Diversity is a huge part of our society. We need it. It's instrumental. It's invaluable. If you leave out certain people, you then in turn really limit creativity and society's ability to solve problems. That's what we can do in the next four years. Our world is not singular. There are so many voices and experiences that deserve to be heard and expressed. Diversity is really the key to life. Without diversity, life becomes stagnant. It acknowledges and values the importance of everyone, which makes us as a country even better. Martin Luther King, he had a dream. It was for everybody to be united. To stand up for freedom together. Without diversity, there's no progress. And that's what black history is. Black history. More than a month. AJC Radio and our team extend a personal invitation to all the members of Congress to be a part of this dynamic initiative called Spotlight on Capitol Hill. We welcome you, whether you're Republican or Democrat or Independent, whatever you might be, we join together to bring to the attention of the American people the positive things that our elected officials are doing on Capitol Hill. Tonight, AJC Radio salutes you, and we extend that invitation to all the members of Congress as we continue to shine the light called Spotlight on Capitol Hill. It's just going to get better from here. Let's get on board. And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen of America. Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday, and tonight's been a good one. I'll tell you, honoring, honoring Congressman Benny Thompson from Mississippi, a beautiful uh, interview, uh, a gen, a, really, Lisa, a, gen, a really genuine man uh, talking from his heart, doing things that, uh, I'll tell you what, will make an impact not only today, but for generations to come and we were honored to be a part of this uh, this interview and that he took time with us. Absolutely. He was just, he was a pleasure. And he was just so generous with his time. He was, a lot of times you have, I mean, I know they're busy out there and you, you get rushed around a lot and they have to run, but he was so pleasant with us and so generous, generous with his time and not trying to rush us out and giving us the time to do what we need to do. And it was just, it was a great interview. I know, absolutely. We give a very special thanks to his staff uh, and uh, we appreciate, uh, I believe it's Lisa Andrea, uh, who was able yeah. to, to actually set that up for us. We appreciate you, all the work of the staff and of Congressman Benny Thompson. We appreciate it and look forward to working with you in the future. Right now, we turn the page to what you didn't know about the IRP6. It starts right now. I just calls has found something very interesting. A playwright by Judge H. Lee Serrigan about the IRP-6. It starts right now. Take a look. My name is David Banks, and I'm serving an 11-year sentence at the Federal Correctional Complex Prison Camp in Florence, Colorado. I've lost everything. My business, my money, my family, my future, my church, and my freedom. When they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. Strange. I think it's still strange. It just absolutely makes no sense. Is this really real? Is this happening? 
Mm. And then all of a sudden, your whole life is ripped apart. Justice is not fair anymore. They say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to send to. Ladies and gentlemen of America, what is going on when innocent men get locked away? Ladies and gentlemen, have you stopped to ask the question, where is justice? It's far away. The IRP-6, David Banks, Gary Walker, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zappolo, and Clinton Stewart have pondered that question, where is justice? What you didn't know about the IRP-6 case is the question. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. Um, it became very clear that the court-appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, and it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly hear in the news, every week you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. And this is a unique case in the sense that you have six men, six businessmen that have been wrongfully convicted. You would think the media would jump all over. There you have it. Tough questions in need for answers. Lady Justice has gone missing. Where is she? The RP6 and countless thousands are seeking her out. What you didn't know about the RP6 story to be continued. you didn't know about the RP6 story. Tonight we focus on one important issue. But first, who are the RP6? These are real people. Who are they? Dave Zapolo, Demetrius Harper, David Banks, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Gary Walker. Friends of justice and a just cause advocates for the wrongfully convicted speak to the issue regarding the racial bias that was in play in the conviction of the IRP-6. Dr. Alan Bean, Executive Director of Friends of Justice, spent several days investigating a Colorado federal criminal case involving the IRP-6. Dr. Bean interviewed nearly 80 members of the church where the business executives attended. According to Bean's report, these six devout and dedicated executives serving hard time in a Colorado prison and their loved ones really don't understand why. From that perspective of those who worked and worshipped with these men, the fingerprints of racial bias are clearly visible to the naked eye. The RP Solutions Corporation, the company, was actively engaged with the Department of Homeland Security and was working toward a $12 million pilot project. Company records further show email communications where Department of Homeland Security employee Bill Witherspoon asked the company to submit cost estimates for them to provide a nearly $100 million module to the Department of Homeland Security. I'm going to stop right there, William. Now, the issue here is these actions and these steps are clear that they've asked you to put in for the budget for $100 million, which basically speaks to one point. This product 
was a good product. Yes, this I product think. was something that had never been seen before to the point that Dr. Alan Bean felt a need in to investigate and to look into what in the world is going on with this case other than racial bias. Talk to us, William, about that software, which is clear, but it easily works. It, it, I mean, it, we've, we've talked about it, but this right here was so clear. He saw the communication. The Department of Homeland Security saw the capability in one module, emphasis on one module, $100 million, confidential informant, the capability of sharing information about those operatives, about those uh, people, persons of interest across agencies. We just heard Representative Thompson talking about it, Congressman Thompson talking about that stovepipe, this right. module would have broken down those walls. So the communication across agencies would have been there. And that's one of the things these men, when they went to Ground Zero, they saw that. They knew this was the capability the what, that was needed. We need it today to keep us safe because these agencies, they're still working in their own little silos. This software deals with it. No, without question. According to court documents, the six Colorado businessmen known as the RP6 developed software for law enforcement agencies, which included the Department of Homeland Security. This instance of wrongful prosecution didn't just damage individuals, families, and businesses. It assured that after more than a decade of effort and fruitless expenditure of more than a billion tax dollars, the security issues that left America vulnerable on 9-11 would remain unresolved, says Bean. That's a powerful statement, Cliff. When you hear that statement come from Dr. Alan Bean, wow, you're talking about a major impact on this nation from this act of injustice. I mean, you look at the entire report that Dr. Bean uh, wrote up, and from the beginning, he states that the prosecutor's uh, case is not viable, it's not reasonable, it's just not sensible that what the prosecutor said uh, made any sense? I mean, he made the he made the point that uh, why would the IRP six basically give up their jobs? Well, they were making more than uh, than they were making. You know, why they were trying to get the Silk Solution uh, up and running and sold, and then why would they why would they do personal uh, you know guarantees against the money that they that they owe to the staffing company? Why would they do all these things? And then the biggest thing, why would you work with law enforcement and for law enforcement if you're trying to come up with a scheme to say, okay, we're trying to swindle somebody? It makes absolutely no sense. Dr. Bean's write-up laid that out that the the prosecutor's theory does not make sense. Nobody would would do uh, what the IRP-6 did uh, trying to commit a crime. This was about uh, developing, marketing, and selling a product. And uh, Dr. Bean lays out that, yeah, this is a this is a case where debt got prosecuted, and you end up with six men uh, wrongfully wrongfully convicted and wrongfully imprisoned for the last five years. Well, to be continued, ladies and gentlemen, what you didn't know about the RP6, go to agencyradio.com and hear the entirety of this program and all programs before. Right now, there are perpetrators of justice who are responsible for locking up the RP6. Lisa? Who are they? They are U.S. Attorney John Walsh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch, Assistant U.S. Attorney Sunita Hazra, Attorney Greg Goldberg, 
Federal Judge Christine Arguello, Appellate Judge Jerome Holmes, Appellate Judge Bobby Baldock, Appellate Judge Harris Hart, Federal Judge R. Brooke Jackson, Magistrate Judge Craig Schaefer, Court Reporter Darlene Martinez, FBI Agent John Smith, FBI Agent Robert Moen, Former Federal Agent John Epke, Former Federal Agent Gary Hilberry, Attorney Thomas Goodread, Attorney Clifford Barnard, Attorney Thomas Ward, Attorney Robert Berger, Attorney Mitchell Baker, Attorney Boston Stanton Jr., Attorney Rick Kornfeld, Attorney Mark Garagos, Susan Holland of ETI Professional Services, and Samuel K. Thurman. And thank you for that, Lisa. A very special thanks to Congressman Benny Thompson and his staff in Washington, D.C. for the exclusive interview that only can be heard here on AJC Radio. Until next time, America, this is AJC Radio bringing the message of justice all around the world. Good night. This morning, Mr. Speaker, in my committee, we received testimony from prominent law enforcement officials about how the availability of firearms put their officers and citizens they protect in arms way. In fact, Mr. Speaker, the Austin, Texas police chief testified that police chiefs are hunted by the threat posed by the widespread availability of firearms in our country, which makes it possible for potentially dangerous persons to legally acquire weapons to cause mayhem and colossal casualties. To this point, this past weekend in St. Cloud, Minnesota, uh, mall, 10 people, including a pregnant woman, were stabbed by a young man who's believed to have been radicalized by ISIL. Thankfully, all the individuals are expected to recover. These days, it is not too hard to imagine the carnage that could have been inflicted on this innocent population if the assailant had instead entered the mall with an AK-47 assault weapon and large capacity clips. This Congress must show leadership on the pressing Homeland Security challenges to the nation. Standing in the way of the Department of Homeland Security as it tries to protect our citizens is the wrong thing to do. Thank mm-hmm. you.